With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I am Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson, who I am sad to report is not podcasting from his brand new fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Look, those fridges were quite expensive. <laughs> I looked at the fridges with the Wi-Fi, but I was like, God damn, why? <laughs> Has technology yeah. gone too far? <laughs> a fridge with Wi-Fi is probably not necessary. I, I found, like, voice-activated uh, dishwashers and stuff, too. I'm like, sorry, what? Yeah, like, like you could set it up with an app where you could, like, tell it. Like, you could talk to your phone and be like, start dishwashing or whatever. And I was like, what? Like, just, why? <laughs> if it doesn't put the actual dishes in the washer for you, then... Really, pressing a button is not that hard. What is this? The Dark Ages? There's a good YouTube <laughs> reference for you. <laughs> uh, it's funny you mention that. I was make I was ma- making a porchetta yesterday, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, it'd be nice if my phone would connect to the, my meat thermometer, so I would get a notification when it hit temperature. And then I also immediately thought, what the fuck is wrong with me? What a first world <laughs> fucking idea! I want a phone app to tell me when my meat is cooked instead of you know. A bell or something. Last Thanksgiving, my cousins cooked a turkey with uh-huh. one of those. Where? He got a notification. He was like, oh, the turkey's done. And I was like, what? 
<laughs> like, how'd you know that? And he was like, it told me. Like, I got a notification for it. It's a smart thermometer. And I was like, it's wild. You know, I I've gone too far. One, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> All right. So promote, extend trade this week. And on this date in 1994, the Major League Baseball season was officially canceled because the players were on strike for about a month at that point. So the season Cancel was cut. culture strikes again. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> season was cut short by about six weeks. Um, as we know, as, as Mets fans, a lot can happen in six weeks, good and bad. Mostly bad. Yeah, mostly bad in, in terms of the Mets. Uh, so of these things that could have theoretically happened if the season hadn't stopped, what are we going to promote, extend, or trade? First up, we have Tony Gwen breaking Ted Williams's record. Uh, Gwen had a, a 394 average through mid-August, so it was very possible. Skill set to do it, too, you know? Yes, yeah. of course. Um, next up, we had Matt Williams and Ken Griffey Jr. breaking Roger Maris's single-season home run record. Williams had 43 home runs, and Griffey had 40 through mid-August. So, again, in the realm of conceivability. And lastly, we have the Montreal Expos going to the World Series. They were 74 and 40 up to that point. They were considered by a lot of baseball people to be the favorites for the National League pennant. And obviously, they did not end up going to the World Series because there wasn't a World Series. So what do we what do we promote extend trading this based on what we would have liked to see happen or the yeah. probability that it would have happened? What you would have really liked to have seen happen, what you would have been okay with, and then uh-huh. what you don't really care. Uh, trading the Expos World Series because they became the Nats and screw the Nats. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> uh, promoting Gwyn because I batting average just isn't my thing. And extending Griffey breaking the home run record because, uh, God, I just, uh, I, I wish I would, had been alive for young Griffey. He was quite good. Definitely doesn't get the respect that he should, even though he is a universal first ballot Hall of Famer by everybody, but. My hot take is that if Ken Griffey had been healthy his entire career, we would talk about him as the best player ever. I could see that. Yeah, not going to question. Yeah. He had all Where do tools. you guys fall on the uh, the young Griffey versus Trout spectrum? Mm. Tough. Yeah. That was the thing on Twitter a couple weeks ago, right? I remember that, yeah. I don't have any numbers in front of me, so, I mean, it's just going to be from the heart or whatever, but I guess I would go with Ken Griffey Jr., but that could also just be because of the marketability of everything. Griffey was heavily marketed, whereas Trout is kind of... He was also just of, the coolest player of all time. Right. <laughs> Trout is, is, is great, but MLB doesn't really lean into him that much. And, I mean, there's not much to lean... like. I don't know, even know what you would lean into outside of he's good. Meteorology. Like, yeah, right? Like, I don't, I don't care about that. <laughs> Ken Griffey had Ken Griffey Jr.'s baseball. Mike Trout has... Mike, Mike Trout's Trout weather Trout. channel. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I mean, do, do, do what you want. 
Uh, oh no, I'm not blaming him. Like, see, I not- think I think from like a, the totally objective perspective, Trout is 100% the better player because different error, et cetera, et cetera. Like modern players are better. That's true. Um, like compared to his peers, Trout right. has now never had a season below you know 60% better than league average and. Griffey has had two seasons in which he's been better than 60% above his peers. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I don't have enough. In terms of just baseball ability and everything, I don't have enough information on young Griffey to make a call on that. I feel like, anecdotally, Trout's the better hitter and Griffey's the better defender. Yeah, I was just going to say. Like, I don't want to say it evens out, because I don't, like, I'm not looking at it right now. I don't know if it does. But, like, Trout's not a bad center fielder, but Griffey is like otherworldly, like top five ever. Well, it was until <laughs> until his health was problematic. Exactly. Yeah, yep. it sucks. That's I mean, another good thing to bring up is that there basically was Griffey basically had two careers: young yeah. Griffey, where he was that player, and then post Griffey, where he was you know eh, with the Reds and who else did he play with the White Sox? Yeah. Like, late Griffey reminds me of Robinson Cano, or maybe I should say Robinson Cano reminds me of late Griffey, because there's still, like, that silky smoothness and everything just looks cool, but the top-end athleticism isn't there. Cano's probably healthier right now. Yeah, like yeah, probably. Like if, if, if Cano plays three more years, I wouldn't be surprised, because the DH is hanging around and he can yeah. stick there. Mm-hmm. But, like, towards the end of Griffey, it was like, you know, you, you really trotting him out there because he was Ken Griffey, and it got, it, it got bad at the end for him, which sucks. Like, to have a career in that way is just brutal, no matter how good it's been. Albert Pujols waves hello. Oh, yeah. That's that's a good comp for me, because, like, I, I guess he's better than Albert is now. Oh, for sure. Because Albert is, like, not even a good hitter at this point. <clears throat> yeah, that's a sad wasting away. That's that's cool. Whole stuff. <clears throat> I think I would um, extend the uh, the four, hitting four hundred because I don't think it's ever going to happen again. Yeah, that's what I did too. I feel it, it's a harder hit, hitting. Hitting is not as sexy as home runs, but it's just harder to do at like, that level. It's just like yeah, home runs have happened twice since then. You know, someone's gonna hit like three thirty, and we're gonna be like, "Whoa, what a high <laughs> average!" You know what I mean? Like, like hitting like that is like a crazy high average now. Hitting four hundred is nuts. Yeah. And to me that, to me if you was... hit four hundred, you're gonna be well above average because just it's impo- almost impossible not to. I mean, my counter argument is that batting average is just so much more luck dependent that to me it feels like a cheaper achievement. That makes sense. Like, even if you're really, really good, in order to bat five, 400, you need to run an unsustainable BABIP, basically. Right. right, but the good hitters do have a lot of control over that. You know, they can hit it where they ain't. I mean, you need to run a BABIP beyond that level, right? <laughs> to an absurd level in order to hit 400. Like, to me, the home runs one is just... Like, I'm not saying that a guy, obviously a guy who bats 400 is incredibly skilled, but to me the home runs record is much more dependent on your talent as opposed to batting average where you need the talent and then also a fair bit of luck. 
Oh, you know, not gonna, not gonna argue. There's a lot more luck involved with, with the hitting. So I just looked up Ted Williams, like not to like say that you're wrong or whatever, Lucas. I was just mm-hmm. curious. The year he hit 407, he had a 353 BAPIP. <laughs> huh? Fucking hell, dude. That's nuts. Well, right. You either need to run a like, super high BABIP or run a high BABIP and also hit a bunch of dongs to boost your average without being dependent on balls in play. Right. You have to little have a high BABIP or literally be Ted Williams. Right. Right. Which, like, well. <laughs> what year was when he hit 400? I'm so blind. So he hit 37 home runs that year, right? So he's getting 37 quote-unquote free hits. Where he's not dependent on that, a fielder not being there. He walked 24% of the time and struck yeah. out four and a half. Yeah, his, his number three. <laughs> what? Well, I mean, either he's gonna hit a home run or just get a hit, so what bother? Six to one walk to strikeout ratio. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he was good. That's Jesus. 600 plate appearances too. That's Jesus wild. Jesus Christ! Like, just just imagine, like, having to go to the ballpark that day and be, like, I have to pitch to Ted Williams. I'd be like, I'm sick. <laughs> I mean, uh, pitching, pitching Ninja had a, a great line uh, yesterday the day before in his top five of the day where he's like, yeah, if I came to the ballpark and I saw and I knew I had to go up against the Grom, I would just go home. Like, it's, it's the same thing. Like, oh, I got to pitch to, I gotta pitch to Ted Williams. Nah, I'm good. Yeah. Not yeah, an enviable task. Yeah, I have food poisoning. Um. <laughs> My arm hurts. <laughs> well. Alright, uh. Over to Asia now. And the Unilions went 2 and 2 with a tie. So they're 17, 15, and 1 in the second half, which is still top of the standings, but still a very crowded, uh, path. And again, Fooling Quo is hitter of the week. And this week he went 6 for 15 with a double, a triple, three homers, eight RBI, a walk, and four strikeouts. Better than last week. Yeah. Yeah. And pitcher of the week is Teddy Stankovic. And he went six scoreless innings, allowing five hits, walking one, and striking out seven. So as mentioned last week, the offensive environment is... uh, very high, and basically foreign pitchers are really the only guys that, with the you know occasional exception, are you know the ones that really float in can, Taiwan. Can I bring up an aside and poke some fun at you, make some fun of you a little bit here, Steve, for the sure. listeners' amusement? So Steve was of course not with us last week, and we missed him dearly, which meant I had to go find players of the week. <laughs> So Steve directs me to the websites, right? And I'm I'm scrolling through, and he's like, "Yeah, well, here's the Taiwanese one, and it, but it's only in Mandarin. So if you don't want to do it, that's fine. You can skip it." I'm like, "No, that's no problem. My really good friend is is a native speaker. She'll help me out." So I bring my laptop over to her. We figure it out, and then after she's like translating for me, it's great. Then afterwards, she's like, "There's an English thing at the bottom of the page," and I'm like, "Yeah, well, I think that just like gives the history of the league in English." She's like, I don't think so. 
click on it, and it, first the English link takes you to a history of the league, and then if you go back to the site, it stays in English. <laughs> so, Steve, for the last, like, uh, three months, you've been re- uh, piecing together the Mandarin as, like, hieroglyphics or something, when you could have just clicked the English button. Was the button that said that makes it in English, was it in English, or was it in yes, Mandarin? Yes, it was in English. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then, yeah, I have some egg on my face <laughs> I found it amusing. Big oops. Very, very big oops. But hey, I've learned I've learned some Yeah, valuable lesson. Yeah. Now, now the rest of the season should be easier. Yeah. Well, luckily the uh KBO website is a little bit better. Actually it's not, but it's more uh there's more English to it mm-hmm. than the uh CPBL website. And the twins, the LG twins went two and four. And then they had a game canceled because of rain. So that leaves them at 59, 44, and 3, which is good for third place right now behind the Dinos and the Kiwoom Heroes. And the Dinos lost uh, one of their better pitchers to an arm injury. So good for the Heroes and the Twins and not good for the Dinos. So right fielder Hyung Jung Lee is hitter of the week. This is the first time this season that he's been hitter of the week. And he went 8 for 22 with three doubles, a homer, three RBI, one walk, and a hit by pitch. Um, Lee is from Seoul. He went to Seoul High School, where he was the team ace. And as an aside, I find it super weird that there actually is a high school in Seoul called just so basically Seoul High School. I mean, Seoul is huge. Is that a city of 50 million people? Yeah, a little over 9 million. I mean, okay. It would basically be like a random high school here called New York City High School. Like, <laughs> that's just weird. <laughs> yes, I attend Brooklyn High School. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, Lee pitched in Seoul High School, and during their high school championship in his second year in 2007, he basically pitched the team to the finals himself. Uh, he estimates that he threw about 700 pitches over the span of six games over the course of a week, which is abusive. As even... a high schooler? Yes, that's abusive even for Asian high school usage, Jesus who Christ. famously abuse their pitchers. Um, yeah, so in the final game, his arm was understandably in a lot of pain, and he was very tired, and his velocity was backing up, and he basically imploded, and he got the nickname, and it is a kind of pretty badass nickname, the Ace of Tears, because <laughs> he was... That's actually great. Yeah, he, he was crying on the mound, because A, he was in pain, and B, you know, he, he was watching all of his efforts go for nothing, because the team, you know, lost, and it, it got progressively more and more obvious that they were going to lose as the game went on. But he made an impression, and he was drafted by the Twins in 2008, and he spent his first uh, season with them doing nothing because he got Tommy John surgery and rehabbing. So shocking. I wonder why. Shocking, yeah. I wonder why. Really? Um, 700 innings in a week wasn't a good idea. Or 700, 700 innings, oh God, 700 pitches in a week wasn't a good idea. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, so he got Tommy John, and for whatever reason, the surgery wasn't successful, but um, he he kept that part to himself because he wanted to play. He didn't want to miss another year. So he pitched through the pain, and obviously he wasn't particularly good. And 
after his second game, his actual second game in uniform, he retired because pain. And he picked up golf. And he actually got pretty good at golf, and he played in a semi-pro tournament, and he made it to the second round or the second day or whatever of, of the tournament. But after it was over, he was thinking about baseball again, and he retired from golf and went back to baseball. So the Twins reactivated him in 2013. He had another Tommy John surgery, lots of rehab, and he finally got, you know, back to the main roster. And guess what? His shoulder started causing him problems. <laughs> yes. Poor guy. Um, again, not the smartest thing, but understandable. He didn't want to tell anybody that his shoulder was hurting him because he already had two Tommy John surgeries and he just wanted to play baseball. And basically, you know, towards the end of the season, it became unbearable. When the season finally ended, instead of retiring, he suggested that instead of pitching, maybe he'd come back as a hitter. Twins weren't really interested at first, but eventually they went along with it. And he's been a pretty solid hitter ever since. Um, he's been a position player, a left fielder, and right fielder for five seasons now. And he has a 293, 367, 443 batting average. And he's averaged about 10 homers per season. So he's a... Uh, yeah. Yeah, that'll yeah. play. Yeah. That's a pretty, like, interesting career path, too. Like... Yeah. To be to really push through all that and still find a way to play baseball. I'm not gonna lie. The most interesting thought I had listening to this was, I want you on a Cespedes to become a semi-pro golfer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'm too hurt to play baseball. I'm gonna go play golf instead. I, as someone who has never watched any golf in my life outside of Tiger Woods clips, I'd pay to watch you on a Cespedes play golf. <laughs> and we know from Jeff McNeil that there's obviously a kind of baseball golf kind of meeting point somewhere. So Cespedes probably would be a pretty good golfer. He would definitely be the most cool golfer. Oh, absolutely. Um, and much less interesting than Lee is the pitcher of the week, Casey Kelly, again. And Gotta be kidding me. Yeah, he allowed uh, one run over six innings. Allowing five hits, walking two, and striking out seven. And basically, the, the, the Twins just don't really have good pitching. I mean, it's Casey Kelly, Logan Darnell, and maybe if you're lucky, someone else kind of comes up big that week. But Crickets. Yep. Speaking of not having good pitching, let's move on to the Occult Swallows. Oh, boy. And they went one and four with a tie, so another bad week. And that leaves them at 26, 39, and six for the year. And Tetsuo Yamada is hitter of the week again. He went 8 for 24 with two homers, five RBI, and a pair of walks. And back when the Swallows started playing, and we were talking a little bit about Yamada and who he is and all that, um, you know, he he had back-to-back 30-30 seasons in 2018 and 2019. And having a third one in 2020 would have been a record. But obviously, because of coronavirus, that's probably not going to happen. Normally, the season is 144 games in Japan. This year, it's 120, so he's going to lose 20 games right there. And he was also hurt for a few weeks in July and August, so he lost a bunch of games there. So as it stands right now, he has eight homers and eight stolen bases in 53 games. And there are 45 games left in the season. So a 20-20 year is possible um, if he keeps up the pace 
maybe he does a little better, but he would basically have to become like like Cespedes in 2015 to get to 30 homers, which mm-hmm. is infinitesimally small chance of happening. So what, that sucks. What's his yeah. batting line on the year now? Uh, I'd have to look that up. I've put you on the spot. I'm sorry. Yeah, you put me on the spot. That's yeah. Tetsuo Yamada. Oh, shit. I didn't spell that right. Now I'm just going to have to search Yamada. <laughs> Here he is, though. Yep. He is currently hitting 266, 355, 462, which is... Down year by down, standards. Yeah, yeah, down by basically his career line is 292, 391, 502. So, I mean, the injury obviously is not helping things, and having a shortened season is not good either. Right. But it sucks because, I mean, a, a record like that is kind of like a, a Calvin Jr. type thing where you need to have a very long history of being good in order to even start sniffing something like that. Yeah. You know, so. And it's not even his fault. Like, yeah. Like he's going to lose out on it because of a virus, not because like he was bad or he got hurt or, I mean, getting hurt's not your fault either, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like just all the stars have to line to, all the stars have to line to have a 30, 30 season to begin with. And then to have a second one is like, crazy and then the possibility of a third one is like almost unheard of and you know probably not happening now going 30 30 in 140 games also seems nuts to me like as a as a starting point but yeah i mean the mlb where you have 160 you know you have basically extra 20 games and 30 30 seasons are very far and few in between so yeah he's a good player that's why he's the mike trout quote-unquote of japan also puts it even more into context how fucking insane Mike Trout is because Mike Trout has never had a down year. No. Ever. Mike Trout's for like Mike Trout slumps for like two weeks and the slumps look like everyone else's normal uh Um on my way to my WRC is only one fifty this week. God, I'm awful. It's it's all it's crazy. He'll have like a one ten weighted runs created plus for like three days and everyone's like and then he shows himself because he's Mike Trout. That's like Degrom when Degrom does not strike out double digit batters. It's like, oh come on, man! Remember that like three start stretch last April or something where he was mediocre and we're like, oh shit, is he hurt? Is he actually bad? <laughs> and then he's like, just shoves for the next yeah. four months. It's like, oh okay, never mind. He always has a weird one against the Marlins because the, Mar- the Marlins always do weird shit against the Mets. It's just like a fact of life. The Marlins live to be annoying no matter who's on the roster. Yeah, unfortunately. Got the Marlins. Well, speaking of good pitchers uh, and aces, again, pitcher of the week is Yasuhiro Ogawa, the only good pitcher that <laughs> they have. He truly, truly Metsian. Yeah. Uh, he allowed one run on eight over eight innings. He scattered four hits, he walked two, and he struck out four. And it's still wild to me that a guy like him, who is very solid, I wouldn't say he's a great pitcher in Japan, but he's a very above-average solid pitcher. It's just doesn't strike out that many guys. Not even, like, a low level that you'd expect, like, a, a, a you know, not, not like, you know, 
seven per nine or whatever, like something you would consider on the low side of really good pitchers. Like he just strikes out hardly anybody. Mm. But it works. Amazing. Keuchel esque Keuchel. I don't. It's been so long since I thought about Dallas Keuchel. I forgot how to say his name. At least he didn't say Kuchel. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. All right. Um. So not much relevant roster news this week with the Mets. Uh, Biggest thing, I guess, is Franklin Killamay. He was put on the DL this week. He had a broken fingernail. Um. You know, not fully major league ready. I think we all knew this before the season started. He's close, though, and given the circumstances of the season, you might as well just throw him into the fire, let him pitch in the majors, get some innings, see what happens. Yeah. Numbers as a whole aren't really that great, especially after his last outing um, back on September 1st. He gave up four runs over three innings. But when you watch him, you know you could see the glimpses of that fastball and that curveball being really effective major league pitches. And just the way the Mets have used him is kind of weird. Uh, four innings in relief on August 1st, then yeah. three innings in relief on August 17th, and then another three innings of relief in, on September 1st. So he's been in Coney Island during those gaps. Obviously, I'm sure he's being kept busy, but it's just a really weird usage or, or non-usage, really. And coming back from Tommy John surgery, you don't want to necessarily overload a guy. But, I mean, Kilomay's thrown 100-plus pitches in 2016, 2017, 18. So it's not like even giving him 50 pitches would be that much of an issue, assuming there's no underlying issues that haven't been reported that we don't know about. Right. So, I don't know. As we've been saying, weeks and weeks and weeks now, you're not going to... You know, especially with Gesellman basically done for the season, you're not going to lose out on anything by having these young kids play instead of an Ariel Hurado or a Corey Oswalt or whomever else. I would take Mo Ramirez, but he's been pretty good. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot that he was. I like to rest Mo Ramirez for some reason. Yeah, me too. Me too. He was with know. the Mariners for a couple of years, right? The Rays and Mariners like traded him okay. back and forth seemingly yeah. every other week for a couple <laughs> of years, which is weird. It's un- it, it only was two trades, I think, but it it always felt like eight. <laughs> yeah, a very uh, simultaneously a very he's a very Mariner starter in that he's not a great starter, but a very Rays reliever in that he's pretty good out of the bullpen and goes multiple innings, right? So he kind of fits both teams very well. Um, but, yeah, I think that, like, assuming the fingernail heals in time, like, I think you just put Killame and Peterson in the rotation for the rest of the season. Um, and then Lugo, DeGrom, and I guess that fifth spot do whatever with. I want to see Sapucky, but they won't do that. It'll probably be Ariel Horado and whoever else, Erasmo Ramirez. I mean, I think it just shows, like, there's just no plan. I don't know. Matt's not having a plan? Yeah, who would have thought? Especially now when they're, like, literally selling the team as we speak. (laughs) I'm I'm getting very serious about senioritis vibes from um, the Bullpon ownership group. For sure. Which, like... I mean, same. How <laughs> discernible is that from their usual incompetence, though? 
<laughs> That's true. Permanent senioritis. <laughs> permanent senioritis. 20 permanent years. Permanent senioritis. God damn it. At least Peterson's been pretty good. And they've, they only did the one weird thing with him with starting, I think it was Gaselman over him for yeah, a game. Yeah, but outside of that, like, they've just used him as a starter. And he got lit up once, but he's a fourth, fifth starter. That's Look, like, if they, if they add, re, a, a, if they, that, I, I've had a stroke again, as I <laughs> want to do every week, you know? Um, if they, like, add reasonable depth and then want to put pencil in David Peterson as the fifth starter, I think that's fine for next year. Right? I mean, if he's penciled in as the third starter, yeah. uh, we have some problems. To be honest, I think Lugo is penciled in as a third starter. I'd be fine could, with that, too. Like, I think it, he's pitched so well as a starter at this point. Like, last night wasn't great, but, like, it wasn't bad either. Like, he kept the Mets in the game, even though he struggled. Like, he didn't have it, but... He's cromulent. Yeah, and I think at this point, like, he's going to be stretched out. Like, and then if you're the if you're the GM next year, you could kind of use him as a swing guy. I said that in Slack yesterday, but like, if you happen to fall into three starters, then you could use him as a reliever, and if you don't, then you could use him as a starter. If you happen to fall into three relievers, like, you don't have to rubber stamp him at one or the other in November. You know. Look, if, if the rotation next year is DeGrom, Thor, Lugo, Stroman, and Peterson, I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah, there'll be a solid rotation. I don't think it's like the five aces, but no. it's, it'll be like you—you you will not be losing games because your rotation sucks. Right. No. You don't—you don't need five aces, and, and a guy like Peterson is not going to be an ace. You know, that's no, yeah. that kind of that kind of profile. Uh, left-hander, you know, low low nineties with a really solid secondary pitch, and and that's really it. Those kind of guys get lit up every once in a while. Case in point, Anthony K. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. yeah, and he's been K's been pretty good this year in like a long reliever-ish role, right? He hasn't really been starting. Yeah, he's been fine. <clears throat> but like sometimes you get lit up, and like I I think we got a little spoiled with. The 2015 team, when like it was the rotation was so ridiculously deep, but that just doesn't happen. Like that's rare. Mm-hmm. Look, I think uh, the the real struggles are going to need to fill out that upper minors depth because the prospect pipeline really hasn't produced anything there. So I don't know how you solve that problem exactly, but I mean the best solution for that problem is to see if Killame can do it, and that's just the argument for for sticking him in the rotation for the next two. Assuming again the fingernail, I think he's eligible to be back what Wednesday or something. Yeah, they backdated it yeah. to the first or second or whatever. So oh, yeah, he's soon like within the next few days, if not now. I get him as many innings as possible. I would do the same with Harold, though, with less imperative, less imperative. Like, see if these guys are viable for this role for next season. Um, but there's, of course, the caveat. Not that I think the Mets would do this if they weren't selling, because they don't do smart things like this, but <laughs> right now there's zero chance they do this. No. Yeah. Which is funny, because the Wolfons are still going to own part of, like, it's like 5%, so it's nothing. But you would think that they would still care. Jeffy, you get, Jeffy gets the toy every other Saturday, you know? It's like, it's so <laughs> gets weird. to fill out that Sunday lineup. Yeah, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. It's just weird. 
but that's kind of what the Mets do. They do weird things. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Um, so basically after Jose Reyes left, the Mets kind of had a revolving cast of characters that weren't really inspiring at shortstop. Ruben Tejada. Omar Quintanilla, Wilmer Flores, is Drupal Cabrera. He was kind of like the first solid shortstop that don't, they had in a while. Don't you disparage Wilmer Flores in this. Wilmer Flores uh, said in this household. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we knew Cabrera wasn't going to be the guy of the future because he was on the older side. Yeah. And Ahmed Rosario was going to be that guy. And he made his debut in late 2017. And his career has been very up and down. Um, in 2018... He hit 256, 295, 381 over the course of basically a full season. And then last year, he hit 287, 323, 432. Much improved. Mm-hmm. Not not uh, hitting great this year. It's not optimal. But at the same time, he's 24. So, you know, normally it would kind of be a it is what it is, growing pains kind of thing. But this year is not a normal year for a million reasons. And one of those many reasons is because one of the Mets' top prospects was called up, and he also just happens to be a shortstop, and he also just happens to be hitting 287, 340, 426, to Rosario's 230, 250, 345. So where do we go from here? What happens now? Because you don't want to give up Ahmed Rosario. He is still young. There's still a lot of potential. You don't want to bench Ahmed, uh, excuse me, you don't want to bench Andres Jimenez because there's a lot of potential. Uh, you can't necessarily, like, the, the, the Mets are kind of boxed in. You can't put one at second base and the other at short because Robin Zicano is here and he's gonna be the guy, assuming that, you know, the DH doesn't disappear. Uh, even if the DH does stay, there's other guys that the Mets are using in that role, and Cano is an okay second baseman, so it's not like you need to have him moved. You can't put either of the two at third base because there are, again, a million guys that play third base and are probably more important to get at bats. So I don't know. Where do we go from here? I think I think Ken and I have uh, differing. <laughs> we have like a point counterpoint on this, right? You want to go first with what you want to do with Ahmed, Ken? 
Or not, I can go first. <laughs> I mean... Can you speak so off if you don't realize? Uh, my... Like, I've always been the low guy on Ahmed. I'm not gonna vic- I'm not trying to victory lap that, but I think that probably plays into why I would be looking to trade him this offseason for... I don't want to say, like, the first pitcher with the pulse I can get, but I wouldn't need a lot to trade him, I don't think. I don't think Ahmed is particularly good. I think he has a lot of athleticism that has never really manifested itself in terms of baseball skills, right? Like, he's not a good defender. He doesn't have great bat-to-ball. He does, the power has never come. Uh, the plate discipline is still... Uh, how would you say bad? All right, so there's just a, there's just no skills there that seem particularly interesting to me. And if you get someone to like Andres Jimenez already does two things better than Ahmed does anything. Like Andres already is a is faster, better base runner, and a better defender than Ahmed is at literally any facet of the game. <laughs> I have a um a quote from a uh, a baseball. Uh, evaluator guy i just want to read for a second uh mm-hmm. potential about about ahmed rosario um so this person said potential plus offensive shortstop with above average defense and solid speed that sounds like a light version of francisco lindor to me obviously it's the best case and rosario will never be the defensive wizard that lindor is but the upside here is tantalizing by the end of 2017 the mets could have their first above average shortstop since the Days of Jose Reyes. But, like, I don't think that was necessarily incorrect. Like, it was obviously very high. But I think he just hit his worst-case scenario as of right now. The the baseball person that said this quote is a gentleman by the name of Lucas Vlahos, 2017. (laughs) Oh, look, look. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think that was also me definitely couching my... uh, negativity regarding Ahmed. Um, and it, 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 this isn't a prospect profile. I think even that year I, had, I was lower. Who would I have ranked above him that year? My brain isn't functioning. Uh, let's see if I have it broken down. But my, my point being, though, like this is a prospect profile that just never does it for me, right? The super raw, toolsy guy who, oh, if you squint and imagine he learns how to do three different things, he'll be awesome because he's a great Let's athlete see. and he's tall and lanky, right? right? And sometimes that does work. Sometimes you do get Ronald Acuna or, or insert appropriate player that got these comps <laughs> and made it work here. Right, but most of the time it doesn't, and you get a player like Ahmed who has long levers and a great body in terms of ba- that should work for baseball, but just no real good baseball skills. The thing is, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Ahmed goes somewhere else and then also just puts it together because he hit. In the, it's not like he didn't hit in the minors; he hit like at every level, and he's hit in the majors at points. Like, he was an above-average hitter in the second half last year. I think he was two years ago, too. Like, he had a good second half. Like, it's taken him a bit to get into the season. And then he kind of heats up from there. But the problem is we didn't have a second half of the season. And also he had Jimenez breathing down his neck. And Jimenez is just, 
he has the floor of defense where if if Jimenez never hits again or is like an average hitter, like a 100 weighted runs created plus hitter, then he's going to have really good defense and be an above average player. I, I also just fundamentally disagree with the take that Ahmed has hit, right? Even in the minors, he never did anything that screams to me sustainability. He didn't, he walked more probably because guys just can't throw strikes and ran high babips because in the minors you beat, you beat the ball into the ground and either weird stuff happens because it's a shitty minor league infield or people don't make the play because they can't play major league defense, right? So no power, not a great batted ball profile, not a great eye at the plate. Like, I don't really think he hit all that well in the minors or just at least didn't display skills that translate. And, and then last year was just mostly another just Babbitt in field and uh, 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 two months, right? The, the, the other skills that you want to see to, to make someone a good hitter just aren't there. I mean, let's see, looking at his minor league numbers, yeah, I, I he didn't really hit much until 2016 when he got to St. Louis. Yeah, the, the Florida State League and yeah. uh, Eastern. And that was when, like, he got put on the map, right? Like, that's when I remember. Yeah, that was basically when he showed up in, like, actual, like, athletic shape for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't, like, didn't he, he was he Barwist at one point? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Like, He, I, he I, like, I, jumped, like, two I, grades. The same thing that happened to Jimenez, actually. Yeah. It's like, he jumped two grades of speed, like, overnight um, and shot up everyone's list. I not that, not that, him, uh, excuse me, not that It didn't Rosario, really happen that way with Jimenez, but. Right. Not that Rosario was necessarily a nobody or was terrible he basically like a back-end top 100 guy yeah he just kind of basically treaded water in relation to his stats and league age and then he kind of really became good uh, in in st lucie that year 2016 um at the age of 20 yeah i think just jimenez is a little he's I i don't think jimenez has the ceiling of like an elite major league hitter but I think he'll be a solid, like an okay one and an elite defender, and that's a floor that just makes him safer. Like, like he, he wouldn't stop you from getting Francisco Lindor, but if the Mets go out and spend on Springer and Riomuto and or, well, I don't know what they're going to do, obviously, but then you could stick him at short and be fine. You know, like even if he's like a 90-weighted guy, then... Hell, I, I think you stick him at short with the current lineup, and it's fine, because... Exactly, like- exactly. Mets have the best way to run Creator Plus in the league the last time I checked, and that was like three days ago. <laughs> and it's not like he's like, and like he has a high batting average, but he's not hitting for any power because he's not going to. So mm-hmm. it's going to keep his weighted down, and that's fine. Like, you don't need that. But I don't know. I, on one hand, I wouldn't mind them dealing Ahmed for a pitcher because they need the pitchers, and you have Mauricio on the, in the pipeline anyway. So, mm-hmm. like, it's not like shortstop is one of the things that they actually kind of have bodies for. And I don't even know if Mauricio is going to stick there, but. Maybe Ahmed could be some type of super utility guy, but is the defense good enough at the spots to do that? You know, like I don't, I don't know what you do with him. I think it's, you know, and also I don't think you get much for him right now. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's kind mm-hmm. of where I'm at with it is, um, if somebody's willing to give you something for him, commensurate with, you know, what you thought his potential was, sure, like yeah. you do that nine times out of ten, but he's still like. Has a lot of team control. 
Uh, you know, he's still very athletic. And I don't see the, much, you know, value in, in dumping him for not much, like, you know. Like middle reliever, like. Yeah, I exactly. mean, yeah, I'm not, like I'm if not you can get a starting him. pitcher, go for it. <laughs> the, the name that popped into my, like, I was trying to think where you would trade him because, yeah, I don't want to trade him for a reliever. That would be dumb. Unless it's like an elite reliever. Like, I wouldn't mind trading Ahmed for, for an actual, like, Edwin Diaz equivalent, right? I wouldn't mind doing that. Uh, but like, you probably want to find a team that's rebuilding and doesn't really have a big name shortstop prospect uh, or, or a current guy there. I thought the Tigers might make sense, honestly. Um, and they do have a handful of pitchers that would be interesting, either like you're obviously not going to get Mize or Scooball, <laughs> right? Mize for Rosario. Yeah, yeah, that, that's going to happen. That. <laughs> yeah. Totally going to happen, right? But, um, there's some other prospect guys that might be interesting, or maybe they finally move on from Matthew Boyd, who's having a really down year. But maybe you could try to buy low on that. Uh, I mean, I like Matthew Boyd because I have a sucker. I'm a sucker for strikeouts, but like a dude's going to he's cost controlled until 2023. Is pretty will run you an ear run an ERA in the low fours, strike out dudes. He'll occasionally look really, really good because like the 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 uh, variance on his outings is high, so I think that's good in terms of the playoffs because maybe you come out on a day when his slider is just stupid and he strikes out twelve in game seven or something like that, right? So I wonder an arm like that would be interesting to me for for Ahmed if something like that would be on the table. Yeah. It's tough because he's one of those dudes that I think because of the season and yeah, it's a weird season that you can't really like, I think we could analyze it, but you kind of, kind of put an asterisk on it. Like remember this was 60 games, but also mm-hmm. like he's hitting like 230 and walked and didn't walk for like two months. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's, that's issue. The, the other thing with Ahmed is like, you know, when a player like this, doesn't go well, it's because something isn't specifically going to work at the big league level, and Ahmed, I, I just don't think he's ever going to learn how to hit spin. No. No, he's always That's had funky issues with that. And it sucks, because he he really was like a a legit prospect, and I wouldn't, be like, I wouldn't be surprised if a team really puts in a lot of time to fix him and, it, and pulls it off, but because I think there's a little something there. Like, I'm higher on him than Lucas is basically what I'm saying as, like, a long-term thing. He's only 24, yada, yada, yada. But I don't know what you trade for him that's worth it other than just sticking him on your bench and using him. Yeah, using him as depth. Yeah, because we always complain every year all the time about how the Mets are, like, playing some rando shortstop one day. But, (laughs) like, if Jimenez gets hurt, I would much rather Rosario play than 30 guys here. A competent general manager gets more value by trading Ahmed than you get from him as a bench piece. It depends on his market, I think. I think a good general manager can make that can can sell him for more than his value as a bench piece who doesn't hit, doesn't doesn't play particularly good defense. Like he's a. Ahmed's value is as a developmental part of your team, which means he needs to be playing so that he can develop, right? He, there's, I don't think there's any value to him on the bench, right? Yeah. I think the guys you put on the bench are guys who can do 
do a couple that do one thing well or do a couple things well, but not good enough to be a starter, right? Putting a developmental guy on the bench so that they're A, not playing, and B, when they get to play, they're doing all those things badly because they're a developmental piece, like that's that's useless in my eyes. I'd rather play Gorgi Orme at short than Ahmed if, if there's an injury, right? Because at least Guillaume plays defense. Sure, that's right. I mean, he's hit too. Uh, who knows how real that yeah, is. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't think we, any of us buy that. Oh, of course not. Of course not. But I'm saying, like, right now, like, if Jimenez goes down, knock on wood, and if he gets hurt in, like, 10 minutes, then, like, Guillaume's probably the play over Rosario right now. But What about thinking outside the box kind of logic? The Mets next season, I don't think that they actually have, like, a center fielder. I don't know if Mresnik is still no he's a free agent right so i mean a lot of you you all you hear over the offseason last year and i'm sure we're going to be hearing it again is convert amed rosario to center field he's athletic he's got a strong arm to make up for you know not necessarily knowing roots and and not having maybe the most range if you know not not knowing how he'll play there defensively um do you Trade a guy like J.D. Davis, whose whose value is going to be probably higher than it's ever been, who's getting all those third base um, innings and and shift Rosario there and kind of get value out of that. Like, do you consider any of those kind of outside of the box things to kind of preserve the value that you have right now with Rosario and not just basically selling at the lowest point that? He's ever going to be most likely because it's probably not going to get much worse than he is right now. Yeah, it would be hard to. Um, I'll let someone else go first. I've granted a lot. Uh, so I I think the center field idea would work relatively well. Uh, Jared and Jeff have been talking about it for years on for all you kids. Uh, the things that Rosario specifically is is bad at in the field, like you know hands, um you know, getting into position on, on grounders. Like, they all kind of don't matter in the outfield when you're catching balls in the air. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He might be terrible at it, but the, the skills are as, you know, geared to center field as they, they would have or were to shortstop. Uh, I think a lot of organizations would have done this years ago. It's also not like a crazy thing to... Like yeah, it's, it's, it's it sounds nuts. Like it just sounds like what? But I mean, Juan Lagares was the best center fielder the Mets have defensively the Mets have had in a long time, and he was a shortstop. Mm-hmm. Lots of guys Obviously. have made that jump either you know, yeah. temporarily or permanently. You know, yeah. Like, I mean, it's a different thing. But Jeff McNeil I mean, is he a might good left it. fielder now. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's been a he was a better left fielder this year than he was an infielder this year, McNeil. So it's not like crazy to suggest that a dude could go to the outfield and flourish. It's just, would he be able to hit as a center fielder? Would, like, it's, at that point, then he is a super utility guy, right? Like, you're using him in that role. Like, would the Mets roll into 2021 with Ahmed Rosario, the starting center fielder? Mm. <laughs> they definitely would, but that's neither here nor there. because Like, the like I don't know, like, unless you're spending a ton of money elsewhere and you're just kind of like, well, we didn't get Springer, but we got Rio Muto, and we spent on pitching, then sure, I don't mind trying that. I mean, I I might 
I might be undervaluing the defensive aspect here, but I I like the lineup as currently constructed, and I know the current center field option, like Nimmo, is not great out there. Um, I think he's unplayably bad in center field, Nimmo. I don't think he's that bad. I, like, I, I think he's bad. I'm saying I don't think he's... Like, watching fine. him this year, like, I'm, this is just me watching, like, I, I know it's just scouting the games or whatever, but, like, it's bad. It's worse than it was before, I think. I think his neck injury either made him tentative or something. I don't know what it is, but he is not as good as he was in this, in center field last year, and he was not a good center fielder before. I... Like, just something about it's just he's not he gets everything late. I don't know what it is. I mean, look, I'm not saying that the, his defense isn't a problem. Yeah. I think Nimmo's such a good hitter. Like they they have they have one too many hitters right now, and they don't have a center fielder they, really. Yeah. And yeah. but but Ahmed's bat is I just have so little faith in his bat being worth the trade off. Basically, is is what I'm saying. Even if the defense is better, which I'm not convinced it will be either. Oh, I don't know. It, it, it's a total wild card what the defense would be. I want to try McNeil in center. How bad could it be? Put the flying squirrel out in center. That'd be hysterical. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, that's a good nickname for a center fielder. So I mean, yeah. I wanted them to put him at shortstop. I, I, that's what I wanted them to see. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I was like, put him at shortstop. He won't have range, but he'll... Blink every play. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a rough middle infield with him and Cano, probably. Yeah. Negative 10 range. Oh, not good. Not good. <laughs> but yeah. Ahmed's a weird one, and I don't, I don't know what you do with him that's outside of selling low and getting something that, like, a controllable reliever or something. But then it's like, I don't know, is that worth it too? It's tough. I think that the issue, what makes it so difficult, is that so much of his value to us is theoretical value. It's like we keep telling ourselves, no, Ahmed has to be better than this. He's going to be better than this. And then we kind of get greedy. I don't know what the right word is. That you know, We, we don't want to see him on another team figure it all out. And then we're just like, oh, God damn it. We got, you know, peanuts for him. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, when, when, yeah. when the Indians <laughs> trade Francisco Lindor, we'd call him up and say, hey, uh, you want Ahmed Rosario? I mean, uh, he's just in the Lindor package to the Mets. Maybe so maybe you give us that uh, Karen Shack guy in your bullpen. We'll send you Ahmed Rosario. Cool. Thanks. It's a shortstop and a reliever. Like, duh. Yeah, it just makes sense, <laughs> you know? What I would do to have James Karen Shack on this team. That would be really fun. I he love Karen Check. He would fit well in uh, a late inning bullpen because they're not that good. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it is. It is a tough. Uh, it, it's a. It's an issue. I'm happy that I don't have to be the one to figure out. Yeah. And going into getting into you know the Met selling and. What's going to be happening in the future? Who knows if Brody is going to be the one that's figuring out? Who the hell knows what's going to be anything? Yeah, um, that's yeah. that's tough too. Yeah, 
It depends on when he takes over, I assume, Cullen. And I guess in a, in a, in a sense of this question and figuring out what's going on, the minor league, there not being a minor league season has made it more complicated because Jimenez would have definitely been in Syracuse this season for at least some portion of it. So we wouldn't be necessarily having this conversation. But at the same time, then Mauricio would still be playing and developing and assuming that he would be continuing to get better. We might be having this conversation next year with Ahmed Rosario having had whatever kind of season he would have in a normal year, Jimenez having whatever kind of season he would have had in Syracuse, and then Mauricio waiting in the wings in, let's say, you know, Binghamton. Mm. Well, if Binghamton existed, I don't know about yeah. that also. Who Insert knows? double-A affiliate here. Right. So, I mean, and imagine if the, this question is even more complicated by inserting him into all of that. I mean, there's no, I don't know. I wonder if they would have demoted Rosario to AAA if there was a season. Mm. At this point, because Jimenez is playing every day. I mean, he's not playing against every, I don't think he's been playing against lefties, but like every lefty, but he's been in there sometimes. I wonder at what point would you have just been like, go play in AAA and figure it out? Wow. I mean, I haven't really been watching much, so I, I couldn't say is Rosario just doing so bad because it's like it's some kind of mechanical brutal. thing that's it's not like, mechanical. Right. I mean, it, it, it might not be something that you can yeah. work out, which is more problematic. That's true, yeah. It just looks like he's going out there and flailing at every, like, just guessing. Right, he, it looks like he has no, no confidence, he's just, whatever comes remotely towards him, he's just swinging. Basically. Mm. Not good. And if he was some other Joe Blow, then you could just easily cut ties and who cares. If he was a Ruben Tejada or an Omar Quintanilla, then you just say whatever. But all again, all of that value, it's just potential value and, and prospect rating and we just want to hold on for dear life and, mm-hmm. and hope that, you know, it, it manifests itself. But yeah, I don't know anymore. <sighs> Alright, well, any last uh words for the week? Man, uh, the the in case you were wondering if the uh, Wilpons Overwatch League team would be less <laughs> disappointing than the Mets, it's just as disappointing as the Mets. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Glad to see this consistent. So, so much potential, so many good players, totally squandered by inept coaching in the organization. Just great. And I'm sure Jeff is is. The one sending the orders. Uh huh. Yep. That's definitely what's <laughs> happening. A hundred percent. Jeff. Avid, Jeff is actually GM in Overwatch. His SR is even higher than mine. <laughs> I would be very annoyed if that was actually true. It, it's within. It's There's no way. That's possibility. There's no way. No. No chance. <laughs> All right. Uh, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complexthequeens at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seipler. Lucas is at Elvlahus343. Ken is at KenLaffin91. And Thomas is at SZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Rate and review it. And, of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. And until then, love the Mets. Love the nuts.